just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. For those of you who do obstetrics, here's your clinical scenario. Your pregnant patient comes to you with birth plan in hand stating, hey, somebody told me about a July 2022 new study that just came out that said that laboring in water is the way to go and having the child underwater is also the way to go. So that's the way for me. So what do you say? Now, first of all, before you rush to the answer of, well, informed consent is key, and if she wants to do that, then I'm fine. And while that's totally acceptable, we got to be mindful, though, of two professional societies and their statements. The American Academy of Pediatrics, which just released their statement in January 2022, and the American College of OBGYN, ACOG, that statement was released in 2016 and hasn't changed to date. So in this session, we're going to cover the new systematic review and meta-analysis that examined intrapartum interventions and maternal and neonatal outcomes following immersions in water during labor and birth. This was out of BMJ Open Journal in July of 2022. We're going to contrast this just-released article with AAPs, that's the American Academy of Pediatrics position statement from January 2022, which again is just in line with ACOGS back in 2016, because these things have to be sorted out. When we give patients information, it's our responsibilities, our ethical duty to provide up-to-date, current, and clinically relevant data. Let's cover all of this in this session right now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This new systematic review and meta-analysis came out in July of 2022, and it showed that water immersion during labor and birth significantly reduced the use of medications, maternal pain, and postpartum hemorrhage compared with standard care with no water immersion. This data was based on 36 studies that met inclusion criteria and included more than 150,000 women. In this systematic review and meta-analysis published in BMJ Open, the researchers identified studies published since 2000 that examined maternal or neonatal interventions and or outcomes when birthing pools were used for labor and or birth. The primary objective was to compare intrapartum interventions and outcomes for water immersion during labor with standard care with no water immersion. Water immersion generally involves the use of birth pools for relaxation and pain relief in early labor, and some women proceed with immersion through the second stage of labor and delivery. Of the 36 included studies, 31 took place in a hospital setting, four were in a midwife-led setting, and one was in a mixed setting. 
Overall, water immersion significantly reduced the use of epidurals with an odds ratio of 0.17. It also reduced the rate of injected opioids with an odds ratio of 0.22, as well as episiotomy. Now, that's kind of a weird one because episiotomies, remember, are no longer standard of care, but still, those that had water immersion had less episiotomy than the control group, although I think that number was too high anyway. Maternal pain and postpartum hemorrhage were also significantly reduced with water immersion with an odds ratio of 0.24 and 0.69, respectfully. Maternal satisfaction was significantly increased with water immersion and the odds of an intact perineum increased as well with an odds ratio for that of 1.48. Okay, that sounds good, right? That's all good stuff. However, the overall odds of core devotion increased with water immersion with an odds ratio of 1.94, but the absolute risk was still low compared with births without water immersion. This translates to about 4 per thousand births during water birth compared to 1.3 per thousand without water births. There was also no significant differences in other identified neonatal outcomes, but it may not have been powered to find those issues. And we're going to address that in just a minute because that's one of the criticisms of both ACOG and AAP. Here are the main limitations of this study. First, there was inconsistency of reporting on birth settings as well as specific care practices, interventions, and specific outcomes. In terms of outcomes, what I mean by limitation is that there was only three specific outcomes included for meta-regression analysis, and the researchers identified that in their own limitations stated in the paper. All right, let's set the record straight because we just got to shed this light on this limitation. Look, this meta-analysis is great, and it does actually validate what we've already known in terms of laboring during the first stage of labor during water, and that's that it greatly reduces pain, and it reduces the use of narcotics and even epidural for those patients who want it and are specifically considered low risk. That's fine. The issue comes when we talk about the actual birth process, a second stage of labor. And here's why this is an important limitation. This meta-analysis did not have statistical power to look at things like neonatal infection or respiratory distress. And those are big issues. There's also been some other complications that we're going to talk about during the actual second stage of labor that I'm going to address here in just a minute. But remember, this was not powered to look for the things that ACOG and AAP say you've got to watch out for. This is very clearly stated in the American Academy of Pediatrics position statement from January of 2022. AAP states that although no increase in adverse outcomes have been noted in clinical trials involving water immersion during labor, there have been case reports and case series of complications in newborn infants. Complications have included hypothermia, drowning or near-drowning, respiratory distress, and infections. The primary infectious risk to the newborn infant is exposure to waterborne organisms. Waterborne infections can occur when there is high bacterial load in the water supply, like temperature dysregulation of the water from recirculating pumps or pre-filling the tub days before delivery, which should never be done. It can also happen from aerosolization of the water through jetted tubes that aren't clean. There are several reports of infections and deaths in newborns from Pseudomonas and Legionella. 
So AAP states that overall, the incidence of neonatal infections is just unknown during water birth, given the lack of reporting structure to determine the frequency of water immersion births and their outcomes. So AAP says, while we're all in favor of reducing pain in the first stage of labor, it should actually be discouraged for patients to actually deliver during the second stage of labor with water immersion. Before I give you this next quote, let me just preface it with this. Please don't send me ugly emails. This is right out of the AAP guidance. So, uh, yeah. According to the January 2022 AAP statement, again, which is just in line with ACOG's original position statement in 2014 that was recertified or revalidated in 2016, quote, Families should be cautioned against water birth during and past the second stage of labor in the absence of any current evidence to support maternal or neonatal benefit and with reports of serious and fatal infectious outcomes in infants. Midwives and obstetricians offering this option should ensure that appropriate infection control strategies, including rigorous cleaning and disinfection, are in place to reduce the risk of infection, end quote. ACOG's statement is just in line with the AAP. ACOG states that labor during the first stage of labor in water has potential benefits and is totally acceptable if patients desire and they're considered low risk. However, according to the ACOG, quote, while laboring in water can be fine, birth should occur on land, end quote. Oh, don't you just love a good debate? I mean, this is how it should be, right? We can come to the table and agree to disagree and walk away professionally and socially and we can still be friends because I've got great nurse midwives. I'm talking about like personal friends, great friends and peers that we work with. And the American College of Nurse Midwifery released their rebuttal back in 2016 to ACOG saying, oh, no, you didn't go there. Look, let me tell you, Dr. Jennifer Light, I'm calling her out by name. It's fantastic. She's one of our certified nurse midwives, and she's got her doctorate, my goodness, in midwifery. Actually, I'm very proud to say her first delivery was with me back in Dallas. Good for you, Jen. Anyway, she's fantastic. She trains our medical students, for heaven's sakes. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be thankful here for a minute for our certified nurse midwives who provide a level of care that most physicians just don't have the time to provide. I mean, they have a different perspective, another level of patience that most physicians just don't have at the bedside. So we ought to be very thankful for what they bring to the table. And that's why we can agree to disagree. Now, I don't know what their particular stance is in terms of water delivery, but their professional society is very clear. Back in 2016, they released this statement against ACOG in a friendly manner, of course. The American College of Nurse Midwifery said, quote, We have been in communication with ACOG to express our concerns and our disagreement with the conclusions of this committee opinion and have sent additional, more up-to-date information on water births so that ACOG can change this position statement to provide the best quality evidence to their patient, end quote. Wow, that says it all right there. So what's the take-home message as we wrap this up? Well, number one, data is great, but we also have to recognize where that data has some limitations. This systematic review and meta-analysis confirms what we have already known, that water immersion during the first stage of labor really is great. I mean, it just feels good. It's distracting. It's relaxing. It, it just it, it reduces labor pain and increases overall satisfaction for patients when they want it. And ideally, according to the college, when they're considered low risk. 
However, because most of these studies are underpowered to really shed light on the true risk of complications, as rare as they may be, I mean, let's be honest, neonatal sepsis in an otherwise low-risk patient is just low, thankfully, especially with identification of things like GBS and appropriate antibiotics. However, when it goes bad, it can go real bad, especially when you think about the lack of sanitation and the lack of guidelines regarding cleaning these jets, especially if some of these whirlpools, it's very hard to get in there and clean those. Even with chlorinated treatments or whatever they put in the water, it's just very difficult to get every part of machinery. That's why the AAP and ACOG say, hey, we're all in. Absolutely. For the first stage of labor, knock yourself out as long as you're considered low risk. However, for the actual delivery for the second stage and definitely for the third stage, try to get out of the birthing tub for a more standardized approach because when things go bad, they go bad quickly and unpredictably. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. We have covered the new systematic review and meta-analysis examining interpartum interventions and maternal and neonatal outcomes, even though some were underpowered, during immersion in water during labor and childbirth. The lead author was Ethel Burns. Again, that's out of BMJ Open Journal. Thanks for being part of our podcast family. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.